Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that we do not control the future. We have no control on the road that is ahead of us. If you told people at the beginning of 2020 that the first March break of 2020 would last for like six months and March break 2021 wouldn't even happen in March, there's no way they would believe you. This year has been an incredible year of change and transition, and there's no way, there's many ways we have come to conclude that we do not control the future or don't know how to prepare for the road ahead. Many of us now are working from home. Some of us have our moms cutting our hair again after decades of not doing that. Some of us are even going to work with our pajamas on. So maybe not all of it is bad. Yet, it's been difficult. We've had to navigate lockdowns and online schooling and no schooling and in-person schooling, different cancellations, the management of how many people are in our bubble and whether our bubble overlaps with someone else's bubble. It's just been difficult, tiring, and challenging. There's that old adage, prepare, uh, do not prepare the road for the child, but the child for the road ahead. And I think in many ways, that is the case for all of us. We can't know the road ahead of us, so all we can do is prepare uh, for whatever life brings in our way. And today, as we look at Scripture, as we look at Luke 22, I think we will see that Jesus prepare, is preparing his heart, as well as his disciples' heart, for the road that is ahead of them. So welcome, my name is Tim Sridharan. I'm one of the pastors here at First Alliance, and this is Holy Week. Today is uh, Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem and where they were waving those palm branches, laying their cloaks on the floor, and welcoming in the Messiah. Yet within one week, Jesus would have been betrayed, arrested, and murdered on the cross. Yet on the third day, he would rise from the dead. And this is the greatest moment in human history. And this is why we celebrate the Holy Week and why we love to celebrate Easter. It is the hope of the Christian uh, message and it is our joy. So join with us this week as we continue to celebrate Holy Week. If you have your Bibles, today's story is this famous text that was just read to us by Linda. We have this betrayal of Jesus. Judas, the betrayer, sells him out and the religious elites come with Judas and they arrest him on a mountain. The disciples are fearful and they scatter and they run away. Yet before this all happens, Jesus gives his disciples some teaching that's really helpful to them. You see, Jesus knew he was about to be murdered. He knew he was about to go to the cross and rise again. He also knew his disciples would be experiencing some difficulties and hardships really soon. So what does Jesus do to prepare himself and the disciples for the road ahead? Let's take a look at Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46 to see how Jesus goes about preparing us for the road that is ahead of us. Just a quick glance at chapter 22, verse 39, you'll see a common theme emerging. You'll see Jesus calling his disciples to pray that they won't fall into temptation. You know, then Jesus kneels down to pray and he prays himself. Then he continues to pray more earnestly. And when he rises from prayer, he once again tells the disciples, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I think it's really easy and really clear to see that prayer is a main theme here. 
And as we study this passage today, I think I want to highlight three aspects of prayer that can have a great impact for us. First one is protection from temptation and provision for our needs. And finally, alignment of our will to God's will. Now, I know some of you might be saying, wow, like, this church really likes talking about prayer. You like discussing prayer. And it's true. We love talking about prayer. prayer. And it almost seems like God has brought this up as its theme in the year 2021 for us to press into. Yet others of you are probably thinking, oh, no, another sermon about prayer. And you're just thinking, ah, it's something I've tried. It's something that's difficult for me to engage with. You know, it's just hard in my life stage or just how I'm doing right now to really engage in prayer. And I get that. If something COVID-19 has done just with the monotony of every day being the same, sometimes it's just hard to focus and dive into prayer. But I just want to encourage you, hang with us today. And hopefully, as we study scripture, you'll catch a vision for prayer and develop some tools that'll help you dive deeper into praying. Let's look at the first section, protection from temptation. In verse 39 of chapter 22, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Not too long later, in verse 46, he says the same thing. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus twice asked them not to fall into or pray to not enter into or fall into temptation. And how do they do? Well, quite frankly, not too great. They fell asleep. I can't really blame them. Think about their day. They just had this hard-working day, and they had a meal of, you know, bread, wine, and lamb. And then they're prepped, they're expected to pull an all-nighter of prayer. That's not exactly the greatest preparation for staying up all night. But not only that, Jesus has just told them that he's about to die. And the disciples are probably overwhelmed with grief and sorrow. And this must have been such a difficult time for them as they were looking at the, 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 their leader, their rabbi who they had been following for the past three years. It was, it was just about to go and die. And this must have been such a tragedy that they couldn't even barely process that. And they must have felt so overwhelmed. It's interesting to note, Jesus tells them twice, pray so that you will not fall into or enter temptation. Eh? What temptation is he talking about? Well, we're going to see really quickly through the passage in chapter 22 that there's the Uh, the difficulty that they're going to have. They're going to have a choice to stay with Jesus or abandon Jesus, and all these disciples run away in the heat of that moment. Even Peter, who tries to stick close and stay by Jesus, what happens? When he's questioned or pursued, he'll actually deny Jesus three times before that rooster crows. Jesus is knowing that the road ahead of them is difficult, so he's challenging them. Pray, get on your hands and knees so that when temptation comes, you won't succumb to it. Yet the disciples found that difficult. Just a couple thoughts on temptation as we look at this text. First, I think it's easy to say this, temptation is a part of life. I don't know any person who hasn't been tempted in their life. Think how easy it is every day for our life that we just want to lie or manipulate the truth so that we don't have to face the consequences of the music in front of our spouse or our kids. Uh, we don't own our behavior. Like, just to be honest, 
it's tax season. This is a time everyone is tempted to lie on their tax forms to save a little bit of extra money. Temptation comes in the form of many things. What we do with our free time, the content we view online, and there's always the temptation to dive into illicit uh, content on, on our computers or on our phones that draws into sin. Temptation is a part of life. Yet with that, at the same time, temptation isn't sin. But temptation can lead us into sin. I think it's really important to understand that distinction. You see, when temptation comes, we are at a fork in a road. We can choose to go down that way into sin, or we can choose to turn away from it. And what we ultimately do when we choose to turn away from it is we choose to follow Jesus. You see, temptation is a part of life. Temptation leads to sin, but isn't sin itself. So therefore, temptation is always an opportunity to choose Jesus. Temptation is that opportunity, which is not easy by any means, to turn to Christ and follow his ways. And quite frankly, when the enemy comes at us with temptation and wants to pull us away from what is pure and holy, what he's doing is he's, calling, he's basically calling us to compromise our intimacy and our mission with the Lord of the universe. Let me explain. When, when we are tempted, whoever it is, to watch uh, you know, things that we shouldn't be watching online, bad content that, that is just not holy and not glorifying to God, in that moment, what the enemy is saying is, this moment or this 15 minutes of content that you watch is going to satisfy you. And what that actually does is jeopardize us from experiencing the deep intimacy and the rich mission of walking with Jesus. You see, every moment that we walk uh, in this life, we will face temptation quite often, but that's always a moment to choose and turn and follow Jesus. Temptation is what deters us from walking close to Christ and on mission. It's what the enemy's tactic the enemy's tactic to distract us and destroy intimacy and mission with God. So the question then is, what do we do? I think there's many practical steps. I think the first one is to pray proactively. Let me just use an analogy of a wildfire. When a fire starts from a little spark, it grows bigger. And an area, you know, a bush will be burning, and then an entire forest will be set ablaze. If you wanted to put out that fire, when's the best time to put it out? When it's small and it's just begun. The kind of same goes with temptation. When we pray proactively like Jesus taught his disciples to pray, to prepare them for the road ahead, it helps us to be prepared for the temptation that is to come and to turn away from sin's potential and turn towards Jesus. Not only can we pray proactively, I think another thing that helps us in the midst of temptation is to beware of the situations, people, and environments that lead us to temptation. There are different, and some of you might say, that's really difficult because my entire work environment is one of those <laughs> places, and I, that's really difficult and really challenging. Yet sometimes what we can do when we know these are the people or the situations that will cause us to stumble or cause, to, cause us to fall into sin, we can call others to be a part of that journey with us. We can know, hey, maybe these aren't the people right now that I need to hang out with. Or just being aware of who are the people that trigger you is really helpful. There's always, you know, that one or two people in our life who, like, 
who just somehow make us act like our eight-year-old self all over again. We become like bitter and grumpy and passive-aggressive like a child in front of them. Usually, usually it's a relative, but not always. The reality is when you know what situations or what people cause the greatest temptation in your life, you can avoid or change circumstances and situations to act accordingly, to glorify God in those moments. Another thing we can do is we pray proactively, be aware of what situations, uh, people and environments cause us and lead us into temptation, and don't give up when we're tempted. I think often in my life when I, when I feel tempted uh, to sin, I can almost feel overwhelmed with guilt and shame. And that's actually the enemy's tactic to get us to just dive into sin. And what we need to do is resist that right there and say, no, this temptation is from you, but I'm going to choose to turn to Christ right now. And here's the reality. This is a spiritual battle. The enemy wants to throw us off our game. He wants us to sink into guilt and shame and just dive into sin. And this is where community is so important. This is where we can ask those, our accountability partners, those in our small groups, and just come to them and say, hey, I'm feeling weak and vulnerable in this way right now. Can you please pray for me? One of the things uh, some of my good friends and I do is that if there's a temptation in our life, whether it's sexual purity, whether it's uh, uh, treating anger or treating our kids or our spouses poorly, we text each other and we try to text each other early and say, hey, I'm feeling more susceptible or vulnerable. Please pray for me. And you know what that does? When you share that with someone else, someone in your small group or your faith community, it destroys the mystique. It brings it into the open. And quite frankly, I know the next day two people are going to call me up and ask me, Tim, how did it go with that? And that's, it is one of the biggest blessings that I can receive is when I live in the light, I open up and share those struggles with others and they are there to journey alongside us as we follow and pursue Christ. Remember, all temptation and its goal is to destroy our intimacy with God. And most temptations offer us a cheap moment of intimacy at the expense of, long, of a long-term, delightful relationship with the maker of the universe. Jesus tells his disciples to uh, not to fall into temptation, to prepare them for the road ahead. Secondly, the second way we can pray is, is, is uh, then prepare for the road ahead is, is a prayer of provision. I mean, in Matthew chapter six in the Lord's Prayer, there's that famous line, and give us this day our daily bread. You know, some of us need, there's many in this world who need their daily bread, their food to survive. I'd rather have a bowl of northern Chinese noodles, but that's just me. But we all have the different things in our life that we need right now. Some of us, it might be a car so we can get to work. Some of it, some of us might be a job or financial provision so we can provide for our family. Food, clothing. Yet for other of us, others of us in this pandemic, it's friendship, it's connection. It's physical healing for our bodies and just a restoration of our mental health. What did Jesus need in this passage? Let's take a look. In verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. 
And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. As Jesus was crying out, what happens here? He's struggling and he's saying, Father, not, you know, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering. Jesus was about to go to the cross and experience one of the most horrendous deaths in human history. Yet, he's able to say, not my will, but yours be done. But then look what happens. An angel comes and comforts Jesus. I think Jesus' need in that moment was to be strengthened and comforted. And what I love about this passage is look at what that leads to. When Jesus is strengthened and comfort, he prayed more earnestly. He pressed deeper into his relationship with the Father. It drew him into greater intimacy with the God of the universe and, and solidified the mission that he needed to complete. You see, when God provides for us, when he provides for our needs in our lives, it grows us in our intimacy. We become people who praise and worship him, and it furthers us on mission to continue to live for his glory. I remember one time coming, I, had, I used to have to raise my own financial support for the parachurch organization I worked for. And one time I came home and I had next to no money. I don't even think I got a half a paycheck because I didn't have enough financial support raised. Yet a random person gave me just a big gift, a donation that provided everything I needed in that season. And what's that do? I turned to God and I praised him. I thanked him for that in the midst of not even asking for this, he gave me something I wasn't expecting. And what else did it do? It furthered my conviction to be on mission for him with my life. When God provides, when he, when he, when he answers those prayers, it solidifies, it grows us in our intimacy with him and pushes us further on mission. Now for some of us, I just want to offer you a blessing. For some of us today, we just need his strengthening. We're feeling tired and weary and weak. And so I just pray in your homes, I just invite you to pray and ask God to strengthen you in the way that you need to be strengthened. And may you experience greater intimacy with him and move further on mission as you, as you cry out to God and he provides for you. When God provides for us, it, it prepares us for the road ahead, pushing us into greater intimacy and on mission with him. Finally, this last, the last point. The last way we see prayer preparing us for the road ahead is aligning our will with God's will. My wife and I moved back from East Asia. I'd lived there for about eight years, and I moved back in 2012, and myself and Mandy got married in that year. And one of the offers on the table to us from my old organization was live in Canada for the first year of your marriage and then move back to East Asia. And the two of you can serve here together. And that's, I just wanted that. That's what I wanted. That was my heart. That was my delight. And I really thought that was God's will for her life. Yet as Mandy and I prayed through this, God made it evidently clear, maybe not to me, but to others, that this was not what we were supposed to do. And you know what? When we didn't go, I was really grumpy. I was like grumpy for a year or two about this. And, and, and because I was like, God, this is, this is your will for me to go. I want to go. I just want to go and do this. I want to live overseas. I want to serve you passionately. Yet God had different plans. This is embarrassing to say, but it took about five years for me to actually say, you know what, Lord? 
you had our best in mind. And the decision that you made to keep us here was the way better decision than us going. That's the time in my life that God had transitioned us to seminary. Mandy had made some important moves in her career. And, and then for me as well, I also went through a time of burnout anxiety where I was so thankful to be closer to family and friends in an, in an environment where I was known to recover rather than be somewhere far away where I was isolated. You know, I just have to acknowledge this. Sometimes I don't even know what's best for me. Yet the greatest thing about following and worshiping our God is that he knows what is best for us. Praying this prayer, not my will but yours be done, is so hard. It is such an incredibly different, difficult prayer to pray. You know, aligning our will to God's will is no easy task. And as Jesus wrestles in verse 41, he knelt down and prayed, you know, Father, if you are willing, take this cup, this cup of suffering from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was about to experience the worst death in human history. It's not the physical death that was the worst part, but what he took upon himself. I remember years ago, uh, I went to see Passion of the Christ, the movie about uh, the life and death of Jesus. I think it was directed by Mel Gibson. And I remember weeping and crying in that movie theater along with many other people and then going to church on Sunday and our pastor preached a sermon about how if you weep for Jesus' physical death there, that wasn't the main point. You see, the people to his right and left, they also died by uh, crucifixion. And quite frankly, Jesus died quite a short death for someone who was crucified. He suffered much less than other people. But the weight of what Jesus did was the fact that he took the sins of humanity upon himself. We, humankind, chose the sin and then we had a relationship that was broken with the God of the universe. Yet Jesus lived a perfect life. He went to that cross. He carried upon himself the weight of humanity's sins. He died on the cross and on the third day, he rose from the grave. And this is why we love Easter. Because Easter is truly the only hope the world has to be reconciled with the God of the universe through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You see, for those of you who haven't placed your faith or trust in Jesus, this is the time to accept him. If you have any questions or want to explore that, feel free to, like, if there's someone who's invited you to join us today, connect with them, or feel free to click show more and follow the link to our connect page and fill out a form, and we'd love to have a conversation with you and just hear where you're at in your journey with Jesus. Jesus knew this road ahead would be full of suffering for himself. It would involve suffering for his disciples. Yet he was able to say in the midst of that, yet not my will, but yours be done. For us, his disciples today, praying that simple prayer, but difficult prayer, is a challenge. And I don't think that prayer gets any easier the older we get. That's a prayer that will call us to you know, give up 
uh, living in a particular neighborhood or not buying a particular car. Maybe that prayer involves us moving across the world or leaving family, parents, children, grandchildren so that we can follow what God has set out for us to do. Praying that prayer will challenge the way we spend our money, <laughs> the jobs that we search for, and, and the opportunities that we may pursue or give up. Praying those words align our heart with God's heart and aligns our will with His will. And here's the reality. We don't know the road ahead. None of us do. None of us control the future. Sometimes we don't even know what the best decision moving forward is. But the blessing that we have is that we worship and follow a God who loves us, who knows the future, and has our best in mind. Amen? I don't want to leave us today thinking that submitting to God's will is this bad thing. The word submission is often viewed in a bad way. But in Scripture, this opportunity to, for our wills to be aligned to God's will is a blessing. You see, it draws us into greater intimacy with the creator of the universe and pushes us further on mission. It allows us to share the good news of Jesus with those he has prepared, to live as he has called us to live, to uh, preach Christ crucified, to be a blessing in our workplace, to point our families to Jesus. The joy of when he aligns, our wills are aligned with his, is that it may not be easy, but we know we're doing the right thing and it's full of joy and we get to live out of a passion and delight of knowing and serving the God of the universe. In today's text, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the road that's ahead of them. He's teaching them to pray not to fall into temptation. He teaches them to you know, ask for provision and he also teaches them to seek God's will over their will. For anyone who's familiar with scripture, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, is the simple prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples that we see clearly here today. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in, in Matthew chapter six. He modeled for his people right before his death on the cross. And I know for many of us, as we think about prayer and how to apply this to our lives, we probably feel uh, lost or overwhelmed. We've tried praying. It's just hard to pray in COVID. Uh, it's just hard to stay focused or with our kids running around or with how I'm feeling physically. I just don't have the mental headspace to be able to pray. I truly think prayer is a... Uh, there's, there's a thought around prayer that prayer should be natural and kind of like, it should just kind of spring forth from us like going to the gym. <laughs> like, but sorry, not like going to the gym. It's exactly kind of like going to the gym. Often we think prayer should be this natural thing, but think about working out. How often do you actually want to work out before you work out? Some of you might be saying, I have not worked out in a long time. Thank you, Tim, for pointing this out. But here's one of the realities of working out. When we workout we often don't want to do it but when we're done we don't regret it and the same can go for prayer let me just read you a word of encouragement that i've seen uh from a book i've been reading this last bit 
John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you're anything like me, when you get over busy, the things that are truly life-giving to your soul are the first to go rather than your first go-to, such as prayer. The ironic catch-22 is that things that make for rest and restore our soul actually take a bit of emotional energy and self-discipline. When we get over busy, we get overtired, and when we get overtired, we don't have the energy or discipline to do what needs to be done for our souls. The cycle begins to feed off its own energy. So instead of a life with God, we settle for a Netflix subscription and a cheap glass of red wine, a very poor substitute. Not because time wasted on TV is the great Satan, but because we rarely get done binge-watching anything or posting on social media or overeating Five Guys burgers and fries and feel awake and alive from our soul outward, refreshed, rested, and ready for a new day. We miss out on the life-giving sense of being with God. One of the realities of prayer is that it takes a bit of emotional energy and it takes an intentionality. And my gift for you this week is carve out that intentionality for yourself in whatever way that works in your stage of life. For young parents, that might be, you know, afternoon nap time or that might be before bed or early in the morning. For some of us, we might be able to just slip out at lunch and go for a walk. For some of us, that might just involve leaving our phones in a different room to be able to be still and experience the God of the universe. I invite you even to join us on our Wednesday night prayer where we just kind of dive into the presence of God at 7.30 every week. And there should be a link in the notes below for that prayer meeting there. Prayer, for some of us, is natural, but for others, others of us, is really difficult. And this week, as you go into your week, I encourage you to be intentional in carving out that time for prayer and drawing into intimacy with the God of the universe who will fuel you to participate in his mission as, you, as he prepares us for the road ahead by calling us to uh, not fall into temptation, seek his provision, and pray, yet not my will, but yours be done. Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you that we can gather, that we can worship, that we can know who you are. Thank you that through prayer you reveal yourself to us, that prayer allows us to flee from temptation, Father, that you in prayer provide for what we need. In prayer you align our will to your will. Thank you that prayer is about intimacy and mission. We praise you and thank you for this opportunity to just grow in this way. And Lord Jesus, we just pray that for a strengthening and your grace to be upon us as we head into our week, uh, that we may experience the richness of Christ in prayer. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.